Um, I want you to do this, by the way, good morning, family. Uh, I, I want you to do this at your tables for a second. Um, I want you, here's, here's my question for you. Jesus, uh, during his earthly ministry, he commissioned, he called, he chose 12 disciples, 12 disciples at your table. I want you to see how many of those 12 you can name off the top of your head. Go, do it. Talk at your table, see if you can figure it out. How many of the 12 can you actually name? You got about 30 more seconds. <laughs> I've heard your table. They're not they're not all right. I <laughs> Bar- Barnabas was not a one of the original, but it was good. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up. All right, here, here's my question. Um, as, you're, as you're coming up with answers, wh- which ones came to mind first? Which ones came to mind right away? Uh, I heard, yep, yeah, I, heard, I, heard, I heard Judas, right? We remember Judas because Jesus invested him and he used it to really mess it up. Uh, and, then, and then I heard the other two I was expecting to hear, and that was Peter and John because Jesus invested it a lot into them and they did so much good with it. In fact, we could argue that's probably why we're all sitting here today is because of what guys like Peter and John um, did as a result of what Jesus poured into them. Um, and you just tested a theory I have, and, that's, and that is that most of us, those are the ones we can remember right away. And uh, it's one, the guy who did something awful with what Jesus poured into him, but then the two guys who changed the world because of what Jesus invested into them. And, and so I'm going to talk about something that's, that's close to my heart this, this morning, and that is mentorship, but uh, it's not by any means a new idea. And I, I think we need to first understand that Jesus did it. And, and I, I think it's fascinating. We're, we're going to test out some technology today here, so uh, we'll see if this works here. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe. Nothing's happening, is it? Oh, wait, no, it's happening there. It's not happening here. I have no idea if I'm going to connect this. All right, there we go. So let's say this. Jesus, we know he had the kind of this outside circle of influence. He had the multitudes. Okay, we know thousands of people would come and sit down, and they would hear what Jesus had to teach. They would hear what he had to preach, and then they would sometimes eat a nice meal and go home. And, uh, and so there was multitudes that would learn from Jesus and, and, and be taught by Jesus. We also know that Scripture tells us, let's see if I can do this. Well, it's working. Um, let's say he, he had the circle of at least about 120 people who followed him pretty much wherever he went. And they kind of got the bonus teachings. I mean, they got the extra DVD features. They got, they got to hear what Jesus had to say when the crowds left and the, and the teachings he had. And, and, and this was even a group um, that, that perhaps he would, he would challenge from time to time and give them kind of some homework assignments and see what they would learn with that. And uh, by the way, I, I find this no different than what we do here. 
right? I mean, we're, we're going to be, we're going to show up uh, tomorrow morning. There'll be maybe about 2,500 or more people on our campus. There will be a multitude and, and to hear um, a, a sermon, a message to be, be inspired by that. And then they'll go home. Um, there, there's going to be, I would call ministry communities, circles, men's breakfast, where we're going to have, you know, a hundred or so people who are going to, to kind of sit down, maybe dig a little deeper and, and get some, some interesting knowledge and, and have those communities as well. And then I think Jesus picked his own small group uh, of 12 guys. I think he went ahead, and this is a terrible circle. All right. <laughs> he did it way better. Oh, no, it's, it's better. Wait, wait, hold on. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're going to try this out. Dan asked me to test this out. I'm like, let's do it. Let's make this happen. Did it happen? Yep. There you go. So he, he picked his own uh, group for him to lead, his own small group of 12 guys. And uh, there, and now these guys, they got, I mean, they got the lessons. I mean, Jesus really poured into them, really taught them stuff, ex- went, not just taught things, but explained things, challenged them. They got to see what, what he did. But then Jesus took it another step further. And we know that there's three guys whose names appear over and over together. And you mentioned two of them, at least, Peter, James, and John. And, uh, and I, would, I would say there's two even out of that three that stick out, and, and that's Peter. There's my little mark for him. This is John. Does that work? Okay, there we go. <laughs> that is a terrible illustration, but there we go. There we go. Okay, so within that inner circle, and here's what I think is fascinating. Here's what I think is fascinating. If you were to look at the person of Peter in comparison to the person of John, you would find two complete polar opposites. I mean, we know Peter, we know he's the impetuous one. He's the sanguine personality. He's the guy who's going to leap, right? Literally walk on water, whatever, before he thinks. He, he, he's the guy, he's going to be the party animal. He's going he's gonna to get a good time started and he's going to lead it. And uh, wisdom is, is not number one in his wheelhouse. I mean, he's going to jump into things. He's going to be very excited about things. He's probably going to be the extrovert, from what we see over and over in his personality. And then as we look at kind of a character study of John, who he is in the Bible, you see a polar opposite. He's going to be, he would be the melancholy personality, the perfectionist. He's the guy who's going to be probably a little more introverted kind of thing. Uh, He is going to be wise, uh, but he might be a little slow to to speak out in that wisdom. And and you see these two different personalities. I I would say, too, they probably reflected in what we'd call their love languages. Uh, I would would say that you could probably make a case that Peter was a words of affirmation guy. That uh, Jesus would, when he would speak into Peter and really grab his attention, it would be through words. And it would be like, let's just walk through what you said. Let's walk through what I said. With John, I think it was more the quality time or the touch. I mean, it meant a lot for John to lean against Jesus, to be with Jesus, to to, to be paced and, and walk next to Jesus. And I think Jesus knew this about the two personalities, because here's the deal. They're two polar opposite personalities, yet they both go on to do amazing things for Jesus and the kingdom, and if they didn't, we may not be sitting here this morning. So how do they do it? Did, did, they, did they get that, that knowledge? Did they get that challenge when they sat and heard Jesus preach a good sermon? Did, did they get that, that kind of thing that challenged them, how they, they were moved in because they attended a men's breakfast? Was it in the group when Jesus was teaching the other 12 guys that it really spoke to them and they decided to take the initiative? I would argue it was in the one-on-one relationship Jesus had with these guys 
that he was able to peel back the layers of who they were based off how they were designed and then spur them on to do great things as they were designed to do. And that he'd spent the the majority of his time and the majority of his effort in this mentorship-type relationship with these guys. I I think there might be an argument that maybe that's why John lived longer. I mean, if, if you think about it, when you look at the relationship of Jesus and Peter, you know, he's always reining Peter in. Peter's always jumping forward, so Jesus says, this is a teachable moment. You just fell on your face. Let's use this as a teachable moment. Let's walk through this. And he would take the time to do that, and, and Peter would be receptive to that. John seemed to take a little more prodding. John, need to loosen up, need to be led by the Spirit. So much by the end of his life, he writes a whole book where he's led by the Spirit in Revelation. But perhaps that's why he lived longer, because he needed more time to get the prodding, because of how he was designed and Jesus knew it. <laughs> and I, th- I think that's... That's a technique that Jesus used. Jesus used mentorship. And, and, I mean, none of us, you know, were probably going, James, son of Alphaeus, that's my first pick as a disciple. You know, I, I mean, James, I'm sure, did some, we, we know he did some great things. But not to the level of Peter and John. Why? Because of the approach Jesus used with them, this one-on-one approach. And we get to see it through Scripture. The, uh, I, I get this question a lot. Uh, especially when I had the discipleship uh, title in my job description. And, um, <clears throat> and that is, the, Tom, how can I go deeper in, in my walk? And, and usually it's a question, it's a leading question, because it's going, Tom, how can you make me go deeper <laughs> in, my, in my walk? And uh, I, I think we need deeper, a deeper group or, or a d- deeper messages on Sunday morning or deeper you know, talks on, on men's breakfast. And, and, and a lot of times that, that's where it's leading. It's like, how can you make me go deeper in my faith? And, and so I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It's not better sermons from myself or Kurt or anybody else who hits the stage that's going to help you have a deeper relationship with God and go into discipleship. It's not, it's not any better message you're going to hear an experience within a circle like Men's Breakfast. It's not a deeper group. It's not a deeper group. To, to me, there's the irony. Sometimes I'll get like, I need a group that thinks more like me and, you know, it, it values the Bible and digs deeper into this more like I would. And I'm thinking, ironically, that's probably the opposite of what you need. You need people who are different who can actually challenge you. But, but, but either way, the answer is not a deeper group. I, I have a, another theory, but I think I can back it up pretty strongly, that if you really want to go deeper in your faith, if you really want to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus, it is going to require at least two life adjustments. The first is this, a relational adjustment. If you want more intimacy in your relationship with Jesus, it will require a more intimate relationship to get there. It will require a smaller circle. It will require bringing somebody along with you on the journey, whether you are the mentor or, or bring someone on a journey who is the mentee, who can help you peel back the layers of the onion to get down to who you were, who can take the time to focus on how God wired you and then how that plays out in your mission to them. To do what Jesus did with Peter, to do what Jesus did with John, to take the time to get really specific and focus in. It'll require that relational adjustment. The other adjustment it will require, and if you're not there yet, mentorship can help you get there, it's an attitude adjustment. Spiritual depth comes with an attitude adjustment. Let me explain. Most of us, when we start in our relationship with Jesus, and I think this is totally normal, it's about what can we get 
That's why we ask Jesus. We, we want the salvation. We want the heaven. We want you know, all these great benefits that come with Jesus. The problem is a lot of us get stuck there. A lot of us, that is our attitude when, when we come to church. And so you, you know it and you'll catch yourself in it if you're going home at the end of Sunday and you go, man, I wish they didn't sing those songs or I wish they did it at a different pace or I wish they did it at a different volume or I wish the sermon was more like this and I wish this. Because the problem about if you go, what can you get? The standard is always your expectations. The standard is always your preferences. And if, if the standard is always your expectations and your preferences, then you will always be disappointed and what happens, and we see it over and over, I've seen it in ministry, is we have guys who it's become, it's about the preferences, and they'll go home and they'll be grumpy, and they'll argue everything because it didn't meet their preferences, and eventually they'll leave the church, probably an average of one to every three years. They will leave the church, they will go to another church that looks like they're more in line with their preferences, that looks like they're more in line with, with the things, what they want to get. But guess what? Eventually they'll figure out after one to three years that, nope, it's just as disappointing, and they'll go to another church, and they'll go to another church, and they'll never grow past themselves because they become the lid because it's about what can I get in those expectations. And, and, and that, that's an okay place to start. It's not an okay place to, to get stuck. <laughs> you see, if, if we can shift our attitude from a what can I get, and by the way, let me just, here's a Tom tangent. The day we ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior of our life is the day we die to ourselves and the day that our preferences no longer matter. It's the day that worship no longer became about us and what we care about and how we think it should sound. We get all that in heaven. In the meantime, it's all about what does he want. And uh, so, so if we want to make the attitude adjustment, it goes, it's got to go. It has to go. If you want depth, if you really want depth, it has to adjust from a what can I get to a what can I give. And all of a sudden, there's room. There's room to grow because it's no longer bound by your expectations. It's all of a sudden bound by God's expectations. And guess what? They are way far away. Good luck meeting them. Okay, good luck. But there's room to grow when you could come on Sunday morning and be, what can I get out of this? Or I get to praise God. I get, God gets to speak into my life. God gets to challenge me. God gets to move me closer and closer to his expectations. All of a sudden, there's room to grow. There's no more lid, and there's the possibility of depth. And so in the beauty of the mentorship relationship is you can have that intimacy where you can peel back the things that are in the way of you, which is most often you, and you can open it up for depth of what does God want to do. I get this question a lot with the mentorship thing, and that is, how do I know I'm ready? How do I know I'm ready for this kind of relationship to strip away the layers of the onion, to go, to, to pursue, go a little deeper? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. It says, A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire, I want you to hear that word, will acquire wise counsel. I believe this is a truth. Mentorship is beneficial for everyone, but not everyone is ready for it. I'll say that again. Mentorship is beneficial for everyone. Every single one of us in this room, you can benefit from mentoring somebody or having somebody mentor you, but not every single one of you are ready for it. Let me explain. Um, the uh, couple summers ago, we had passes, family passes to Legoland. And uh, the beauty about Legoland is that pass would get you into the amusement park with the roller coasters, but it also gets you into the water park. And so when summer hits in Florida and it's super hot and you don't want to wait any lines, I mean, we would just beeline it straight to the water park. And uh, 
my family and I, we, we'd enjoy these summer days at the water park, and they always had this, this slide that's there. It's in every water park I've ever seen. I can't remember what it's called. I'm just going to call it the Wedgenator, okay? It's, it's, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's the one, you know, you climb story after story to get to the top of it, and it's this one steep drop, and, uh, and you slide down it and stand up a soprano. I mean, the, you know, it's the, the Wedgenator. Um, and so, it, but, but it's kind of, it's, you know, if you're a guy especially, it's kind of like, I got to conquer that. I have to do that because it's there for me to conquer. And uh, now and I have two boys. One, one is a lot more like John and one's a lot more like Peter. And so I, I have the older son, Parker. He's, he's more like John. He's the, he's the guy who's going to think through it before he leaves. He's going to go, I don't know about this. You know, he's going to approach it more cautiously. I have the middle son, Mason, who's like, let's do this and see what happens. And then we'll put a Band-Aid on it. And uh, I mean, he's just, he's that kind of kid. Um, he's, he's the Peter in, in the situation. And, um, and I noticed that it was towards the end of summer, and my oldest son, Parker, he became tall enough to ride the Wedgenator to do the slide. He, he qualified for that. And so it was the, our last day, kind of the last day before the summer, the water park was closing down. And I told my son, I said, just so you know, you're now tall enough. You meet the height requirement to ride this slide. And I could see it kind of going through his head. In the meantime, his brother's jumping. He's like, I want to ride it. I want to ride it. I'm like, I'm sorry, Mason. You're not tall enough. You don't meet the requirements yet to meet the slide. I'm sorry about that. You know, maybe next summer. And, and, um, and I believe he would. Uh, there's not a bone in my body that doubts that he would go up there and, and ride the slide. But, um, but he just didn't meet the requirements. Where, where Parker, he met the requirements, but he had to decide something. And I told him, I said, Parker, you meet the requirements. And it's, I'll just tell you, it's a great ride. But if you want to take the ride, it, it's not a double. It's not like dad gets to sit next to you or with you. You have to walk up those steps by yourself, hop on the slide, and start moving down it. And, and it took moments. It, it, actually, I think we had to ride some other rides before he said, you know what, I want to do it. And he did. Now you could tell he's nervous. And he climbed up the top, and he did it, and looked down, and you know, we're all at the bottom, waving as ants in the distance, and... And, uh, and he took it, and he did it, and then he did it again, and then he did it again. He did it for the rest of the day. He thought it was the greatest ride ever. But that's mentorship. That's mentorship. There's some requirements, and there's some courage. That's how you know you're ready. Let me, let me walk you through this a little bit. Um, by the way, I should probably tell you, we wrote a book about this. Me and another guy who, who have valued this, have used this in our, our ministries, and thought it would be a great tool for other people to use. Um, and, and in this book, um, Mentor You, in the introduction, we wrote what we thought were ways to determine um, qual- uh, qualifications or requirements, how you could kind of best evaluate if you or the other person is ready for mentorship. Um, I want to clarify this, too. Our idea of mentorship is not that we match you up. The, the point of mentorship is, is we're, we're not going to match you up. I'm going to give you two reasons. The first is this. Because anybody I've ever matched up, nine times out of ten, it doesn't work out in that mentorship. You know why? Because I don't know you as well as you know you. And I don't know them as well as they know them. Or as well as you might know them. 
And so for me, it, it's a doubly blind, very removed person trying to put two people together who I know less about than, than the two people involved. In fact, you're, my, my theory is this. You are in the best situation to look around your life just with a slightly different perspective and find the best person to mentor or the best person to mentor you. You just got to look at it differently. It's kind of like when my kids are searching for something in their room, and they're like, we can't find it. It must be lost forever. I'm like, did you look under the bed? Well, I didn't look under the bed. Okay, well, oh, there it is. You know, it, it's, it, it, the person is there. It's just a matter of how you look for them. So, so I want to I give you um, what we did. We, we, we want to help you make a clear decision. So we just did a, a quick um, questions you could ask yourself. We took clear as an acrostic. And the C is this. Somebody in my life I naturally connect with. In other words, when I hang out with this person, it's not too hard to talk. <laughs> it's not too awkward. They don't make me feel bad about myself. You know, and some, to look around your life, maybe even the person at your table, maybe somebody in your group, but you look around your life and go, who do I just kind of naturally connect with? Check. Okay? Um, we're going to attempt doing this. Uh, an L. There we go. Who's somebody I could learn something from? Or who's somebody who could learn something from me? Um, it doesn't have to be er- everything. I mean, you don't have to pick the wise old owl who you're going to learn everything from. But it might be somebody who's, who you seem like, man, that person really does this well. I could really, I'd like to learn how to do that well and, and to do that. Or, or this person, they have all the potential. I do this well. I could instill these skills into them. Maybe they'd be willing to learn. All right, the next one is, by the way, I can't, I don't have the letters on this, so I'm this is terrible. Okay, I'm flying blind here. So, okay. That's supposed to be an E. Yep, yep. <laughs> yep, that's, hey, that's how we learn. All right. Uh, the E is some excited. Who's somebody I would be excited about? I mean, if, if, you know, if you're going into it dragging your feet, you're not ready. If you got a little energy going into this going, man, I, I want to see what I can learn. I want to see, you know, how this relationship can go. I want to see what they could learn and how I could contribute into their life. So, some excitement. Um, the next one's an A. Let's see if, how this matches up. A, that's not terrible. Um, the next one's an A. Authentic. Authentic. In other words, is this person honest about who they are? Or is this person always trying to pretend to be someone they're not? Well, then you don't want them to mentor you, and you definitely don't want to mentor them. But I, I'm going to use a, a personal example. I, I had a friend, long-time friend, long-time friend, know this guy for years. And he, he asked me specifically, he said, Tom, would you, would you mentor me? And, uh, and I said, well, let, let's meet. And so, so we met, and, uh, and we kind of, and I had mentor you too, and, and I kind of was going down through. I, I connect with this guy. This guy definitely had some things I could probably help him with, and he could learn from me. Um, there's, there's an actual energy we have and excitement we have around each other. But I got to this A part, and I knew it going into it. This is where I was a bit concerned. And so I asked him, I asked him one question. I said, if you can answer me this one question, I'll mentor you. And I asked him, I said, what is your signature sin? He's like, what in the world do you mean by that? What, what do you mean signature sin? I, I said, I, said I, I think, um, and the Bible kind of speaks to this too, there, we all have at least one sin, one sin that we consistently struggle with that if Satan totally got a hold of it, he would destroy our lives if he hasn't done so already with it. That there's at least one that, that man could get us. And he couldn't think of a single one. <laughs> he couldn't. And, uh, and I knew that. I knew that was the problem. And I knew, I was waiting for him to say pride. <laughs> and I knew if we could get there, then we could, we could do the further work. But if not, if he couldn't get there, if he can't be real with himself, well, then I can't help him 
We can't peel back the layers of the onion. They're too thick. They're too deep. He's got to take care of that before we can actually do some real work. And, and so it'd be a waste of his time. It'd be a waste of my time. And we both just get frustrated. And so I had to say, man, I love you. But until you can come back with an answer to that question, um, we, we can't do this kind of thing. Not, not in this type of relationship. I'll be there as your friend. We'll have all this. But we're just, we're not going to go there in mentorship. Um, the, uh, the R in clear is reliable. In other words, you want to make sure we say, hey, you want to meet up and do this? And how about Tuesday? That they would show up kind of thing and, and do that. And so, so I, I challenge as you, as you look around the people within your life to see th- these are the, this is the height requirement. Is this somebody I connect with? Is this somebody I can learn from or they can learn from me? Is this somebody who I'd be excited to spend some time with? Is this somebody who's authentic, who they're already pretty real with themselves so we could actually could really dig deep here? Or is this somebody who's going to actually show up, be reliable, and, uh, and take this seriously? And, and I challenge you to, to use that as you think about people in your life that, that maybe you can mentor or maybe uh, can mentor you. Um, we're, we're not going to match you up. One, because you're in the best situation to find these people and to evaluate it by that. But also this, too. I'm not going to match, match you up because you have to man up. That's part of it, okay? If I match you up and it doesn't go well, it could be because you, you didn't put forth the effort into it, but you have me to fall back on and blame and say, well, Tom did a terrible work moving into it, okay? Um, mentorship is not easy. I don't expect this whole room to go out and, and take this on and do this because it's not for the week right now. It's not for those or, or the people who are intimidated by a challenge. It's, it's not for that. I have no quota to fill, by the way. You know, Kurt's not back there going, Tom, you got to get 10 people. To, you know, this is something we thought would be beneficial. And so it's for those who want it, and, and you know you're ready for it if you want it enough to have the courage to climb up the ladder and start sliding down. That, that's how you know you're ready for it. That, that if you have, have, the, uh, have the courage to, to make the decision, to do, to do the matchup. Now, we know mentorships work. I was thinking about this the other day. How many mountains did John and Peter have to climb to get that special message from Jesus? Think about it. How many times did they have to climb up a mountain to, to be the ones to get to see Jesus transfigured? You know, how many mountains did they have to climb to be the ones to see Jesus ascend and get those special lessons along the way and get the commissions and to do that? How many miles did they have to run to be the two that were at the empty tomb to, see, to, to get to see that Jesus, sure enough, was risen? You know, how, how many mountains and paths did they have to climb to be at the foot of the cross and watch him die close enough that, that John could become the surrogate uh, son of Mary? I mean, it took work. They had to go the extra distance to have the extra intimacy. They had to climb a little more mountains than, than the rest of them. I would argue they had to fall a little more than the other guys. How many times do we see Peter mess it up and, and have this humiliating experience, and Jesus comes around and teaches him through it? How many times did they have to publicly fall in order to be poured into by Jesus? And I would argue this, mentorship is going to be work there's going to be some climbing, and there's going to be some falling, and, and Jesus uses all of it. It, it. But it requires that type of work. Let me ask you this. Anybody in here in, in an arranged marriage? Anybody? Your parents picked it out for you, picked out your bride, right? Okay. Um, maybe some of you wish you're in an arranged No, there, there's a reason. You know, if, if given the choice, we, we want to choose. There, there, there's, I, I will say this. You know you're ready when you're ready to ask the person, hey, will you mentor me? When you have the courage to ask. Or, when, when, or hey, would you mind 
considering me, maybe me mentoring you. Uh, I've been uh, in a mentor relationship with Jared Kidwell for the past year and a half. I remember the day I asked Jared if he'd let me mentor him. Because I was so nervous, like a little girl. I, I mean, it, was, it, was like, it was like asking a girl out. It really was. What if he says no? What if he doesn't like me? You know, what if it's, a, you know, I, I, I really think that's a good indicator. That's a good indicator. Just like going on the date with the girl. You know, if you have the courage to ask her, then you're ready to go on the date kind of thing. Because you don't know what she's going to say. If you can get over the fear of rejection and man up and do it, then you know you're ready to climb to the top of the slide and start going down. And so I think you know you're ready when you can look at the people in your life and see these requirements, and then if you have the courage to ask and to do that. Now, now what, I, what I think I have for you this morning is the slide. What I think I have for you this morning is the ride that you take. And, and I think it's an exhilarating ride, and I think it's, it's totally manageable. And so, um, so if, you're, if, you, if you're at the point where you're ready and you want to take this leap and to do this, I think you can do this. And by the way, the beauty of what I think we created here with Mentor You is nobody in this room or nobody you ask has to play the role of the expert. They wouldn't do it well anyway. Because the other truth we know is that Jesus is always the standard. The point of mentorship isn't to become more like your mentor. The point of mentorship is for the mentor and the mentee to become more and more like Jesus. And so, and to take that path together. The mentor may just be a few steps ahead. The mentor may be able to help um, learn some things along the way, but the mentor is going to learn too. The, the standard in mentorship isn't the mentor, it's Jesus. And, and so that's, we built something that we think leads to, to following Jesus and lets him be the expert, and the other two get to go along on the journey. And, and so that's kind of that's how we built it. And I think we, we have a great exhilarating ride. I think when you look into Matthew uh, chapter 28, when, when he gives that last commission to his disciples before he ascends into heaven, and he says, you know, go into all the world, um, baptizing, teaching them to obey, all, or make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Uh, he doesn't say, hey, just you guys who are really good at making disciples. You take on the disciple making. The rest of you, you know, arts and crafts. You know, the other ones, you're building projects. You know, no, no, he's going, if you're going to be my disciple, then you need to disciple all of you. <laughs> not just the ones who think they're really good at it. Not just the ones who are really good at it. No, the implication is if we're following Jesus, then we're all capable of doing it at some level then we all have something to offer somebody else in their walk with Jesus. And, and so if you have the courage to, take, to ride the ride, I think I have the slide for you that, that you can take this, you can use this. You just have to be willing to, one, find somebody to ride the slide with you and, uh, and get a book is really it. Um, the, re- the whole reason we built this was because we couldn't find what we were looking for, so we just created it. And that was kind of that first step to just get the mentorship relationship going and, and get it headed into t- to a direction that by the end of, by the time you're done with this, you know your next step for the mentor and the mentee. And that's what we tried we try to build. And we built a six-session thing that, that we believe that if, if you find, you, if you're ready to do this and you find somebody to do this with you, you just grab a book. Neither one of you has to be the expert. You just got to go on the ride together and give it a whirl. And uh, a couple tips I'll, I'll give you just kind of going 
going into it if you want to do this is, uh, is take your time. Let it be organic. I mean, like I said, we have no quota to fill. Take, I think I talked to somebody this morning who's been doing it um, with, with their mentor, and he's like, man, we're just like going off on tangents and taking our t-, You know, we're not get, knocking it out in six meetings kind of thing. We're knocking it out in like six months. Uh, Jared and I did the same thing. We just, we just and, and like it's a good thing because we could just milk these things. We could just really get intimate with these things. We could really dig deep. We can peel back. That's what it's for. That's the beauty of mentorship. Childcare doesn't run out after eight weeks. You know, you can keep going. You can keep, you can go with whatever pace it takes. The other thing too, I, I, want, I want to, maybe, and maybe this is a relief for your mind too, is that I, I would argue mentorship is often seasonal. It's often seasonal. Um, there, there are, I've had a lot of great mentors in my life at different pivotal points in my life. And uh, they weren't the same ones necessarily all the way through. And uh, even I, I asked, Ray mentioned, I asked Ray, I think it was a year and a half, two years ago. There's something I saw Ray was really good at doing, still think he's really great at doing it. And I was like, I just want to learn that from Ray. And so we kind of walked through and some specific things through it that I, that I wanted to learn and grow in and do that. And, and it was, I think it was after about a year and a half or two years, it's like, okay, Ray, now I want to go learn this, but that means we're, we're going to, I got to wrap this up. And Ray in all his wisdom said, said to me, said, you know what, Tom? If you weren't growing, if you weren't learning, if you weren't applying these things, then there would be no reason for you to move on, that that's part of it kind of thing, to find the next challenge, to find the next person to learn from. And that's the beauty of mentorship. So, so I, don't, I want to take away the thing is sometimes I think we, we get, oh, no, if I do this, I'm locking in for life with this person. And, you know, what if they can? You're not. That's the beauty of mentorship. We, it's the beauty of growth is that it has the flexibility. What you're doing is taking a step going, I'm going to give this a whirl and see how much I can learn on the journey and, and, let, and let it take me where it's going to take me from there. Um, the, uh, the last thing, I, I, I just, I'll leave you with this thought. I'll pray. And if we have time for questions, I can answer questions as well too. These books, by the way, they're free to Harbor Siders. You can buy them on Amazon. But, uh, but you, you, this is, this is we, we built... Uh, we built this for us. And, uh, and so they, they have, we're, we have less than 20 copies. We just had to put a new order in because we're just starting to let people know we have this in this form. And it's, people are taking advantage of that, which is great. All I ask, um, I think there's cards back there. I just want to know your name and email because I want to I follow up. I want your feedback. I wanna, did you like it? Did you not? Is it working? Is it helpful? You know, what can we do better um, with that as well? But, um, but anyway, the, the, my challenge is to give it a try, to give it a whirl. To, to, to go on the ride and see if it's great. I think it is. I think you'll see what John and Peter got to see, that, that, that it's a meaningful way to spend your time. It's a way to grow deeper. It's a way to be more challenged. It's a way to be more used by God. It's a way to help make an actual difference in this world. And really, I think at the end of the day, you get to decide, do I want to be the Bartholomew? Do I want to be the Thaddeus? Do I want to be James, son of Alphaeus? Or do I want to be a Peter or a John? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Lord, there's nothing new under the sun. Jesus modeled the ultimate leadership, the ultimate discipleship. And Lord, we are grateful for his example. We are grateful uh, for the wisdom that he poured into so many, but also so few, and the depth in which that happened and how it change the world, and we're all here because of it, Lord. Lord, I pray that you press upon our hearts, challenge us to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus, challenge us to use the tools that will help us get there, God. And, uh, and I, I pray, I pray, 
probably most of all, God, I pray for the courage for us to take that step um, to, be, to be open to you, to, to be used by you in, in ways that you want to use us. Uh, I, th- I thank you that I'm among such a great fellowship of brothers, and I, I count this a privilege. And Lord, just I feel very blessed. I thank you for all this, and most of all, we thank you for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.